0: hello texans and welcome to friday okay i'm a little late on that because it was friday for a long time already but here we are texans radio mark vandermeer and john harris with you ready to do business two weeks from tonight we will review training camp practice number one i can't wait and johnny i am just done with the waiting part of this yes i thought i was hanging in there pretty well this week i thought you know what i need the time to get some things done (laughs) i really do but now I'm just done. I want to get to practice ASAP. I think a lot of people feel that way.
1: You know, I I've been I'm I'm with you. You know it was a turning point, and maybe it's the same for you, because it was for me. You and I this morning had an opportunity to meet one of our, our groups inside mm-hmm. inside the building, but outside the building. And we talked pretty in depth about the team, and that got me going. Yeah, That got me charged up. That really kind of got me excited. I'm, I'm the same way. I'm like, all right, I was doing fine.
0: <laughs> I was doing fine. I was
1: doing fine. I'm making it. I'm surviving. Yeah, yeah. And then when when we did that, I just sensed the excitement from both of us as we were talking. Yeah. And to our the group we were talking to and our buddy John schriever had us over there to talk to him. And I could just sense the excitement. And that got me like, oh, it's two weeks. Mm-hmm. It's two weeks. Let's go. And I just I, – I can't wait. I, here's the other thing. The second day of practice – I mean, the first day of practice is great. I, I found this out in radio back in 2007. I remember doing the first show, and it was awesome. We had we had uh, Jacoby Jones. We had um, Jerry Glanville. And it was like we prepped for – we got it ready, Sean Pendergast and I. We did it. We got done, and we were just like, oh, man. Oh, yeah, we got to do that tomorrow. Yeah. And it's like the first day of training camp is kind of like that. You get so excited about it. We do our show. We watch practice. We write about it. We do all this. And then by the end of it, we're like, oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. But then the second day, we put the red helmets on. That's pretty cool this year. I can't wait for that. I can't wait to see them just in action. Mm -hmm. Because our buddy Drew Doherty, who we're going to talk to a little bit later, he went down to Mexico. And in Mexico, with Garrett Wallow and with Ross Blacklock and cheerleaders and such, it was a tremendous event down in Mexico. Well, they had a uh, mannequin that had the full outfit on—the white pants, the red jersey, and the red hat—and I, my, my heart just—I could feel it. Like, whoa, I like this. Yeah, looks good. I like this a lot.
0: Can't wait for that. Back together Saturday is two weeks from tomorrow at the Houston Methodist Training Center. Information available as always. HoustonTexans.com, the Texans app. Johnny, this week I wrote about. Key ingredients that go into a successful training camp. And uh, by that, I mean a training camp that leads to a successful Texan season. Okay. The best seasons in the history of the franchise, I've laid them out there for you. 2011, 2012, 2016, 2018, and 2019. Right. Would you agree on that? Those are the five years. Those in- are five uh, winning seasons, divisional championships. Right. We left out 2015 because I thought that was a clunky camp with Ryan Mallett and Brian Hoyer and Hard Hard Knocks. knocks. Yes, very clunky. But it led to a division championship ultimately, but a horrendous start. Right, right. right. A horrendous start. Now, 2018 wasn't a terrific start either at 0-3, but then you won nine in a row. And I think the seedlings were laid for that nine-game winning streak, and that was a pretty good defense. Not as good as 2015 or 2016. But I'm going to go over the characteristics that all those camps – Pretty much share. Yes. And do they apply to this year's team? All right. You following along? I am following. So we can answer that. All right. One thing that each of those camps, 2011, 2012, 16, 18, and 19, had, you knew who your quarterback starter was. You know, you didn't know really in 2015. You had a starter going in, but you didn't really know. Right. I mean, 2014, you knew it was going to be Fitzy, but you're thinking, can Savage beat this guy out? Wasn't Keenum still around at the start of camp? Keenum still around, yeah. Weird. Anyway. QB starter, you knew it was Shob in 11 and 12, 12 coming back from the injury. Obviously, you knew about Watson in 18 and 19. Oh, by the way, disclaimer, not going to talk about legal issues tonight. Oh, yeah. Just so you know, I, I know there's legal news out there. Shit. Team put out a statement. <laughs> I'm not getting into that because why? You know, I mean, believe me, I could talk for hours about it, but we're not going to do that here. It's just not the thing we do in this particular program. So just so you know, we know about it. Not going there. Talking ball. Right. Done and done. Okay. So you knew who your quarterback starter was in those camps. You know who your quarterback starter is this year. I've talked about the 2007 season before when you acquired Matt Schaub from the Atlanta Falcons. He only had two starts. Yet your offense that year jumped from 28th to 14th. And Schaub missed a huge chunk of time. Sage Roosevelt's played. Oh, by the way, he only had two starts coming into that year. It's possible to really up your offensive production despite not having an experienced starter. Mills has 11 starts under his belt, and here he is on the rise. I think Mills coming in as the starter, it's a big plus. We've talked about this a lot, the fact that he was drafted, yes, in the third round, and here he is, and if it doesn't work out, you get multiple first-round picks in the next couple of years to do something about that, but you know who your starter is, and that's a plus.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely a plus going in. Now, the first year of that, 2011, you knew your starter, but it's not the guy you finished with. In 2016, right. you knew your starter, and you finished the year with him, but you went to somebody different. So it doesn't yep. automatically guarantee quarterback success. No, it doesn't. But I think going into camp, the questions of, I remember 2015, obviously Hard Knocks is there. So, Coach, what do you think? Hoyer, Mallett, Mallett, Hoyer, what do you think? Right. Who's going to start today? How are you going to do that today? And it was Hoyer one day with the ones. Then it was the next day, Mallett with the ones. And it was this. It was And then when the decision was made, we're going to go with Hoyer, then Mallet oversleeps the next day. So there's drama with that. There was just that you don't you don't have to you don't have to answer that. It's Davis. And I and look, I don't expect Davis to go and have a a horrible camp, but I would think even if he has a horrible camp, that he'll still be the guy at least to start the season. But going in, Lovey doesn't have to answer those questions. It can be how is Davis today as opposed to Hey, Hoyer, Mallet, Who's going to yeah. be your guy? You, you don't. Or every it. time, that's a good thing. Every time, if Mills throws a pick, you get right. questions
0: about, oh, who's the other guy going to gonna take over? Look, the only way Kyle Allen starts for this team is injury, or he is so unbelievably better in right. camp; it's impossible to ignore. And we've had situations in camp. Look, Watson's rookie year, Savage looked really good with the really ones. Good. That's why it wasn't totally obvious that Watson should jump him right there. Right. He knew it was coming at some point, but Savage, in practice, was holding him off. Right. right, And there it was. Didn't Watson have a shaky game at New Orleans, too, yes. the night of the hurricane arrival yeah. and all that?
1: And the week leading up to that, too.
0: It wasn't it wasn't
1: in as good-looking as it
0: did against Carolina right. and stuff.
1: And Remember, we went to New Orleans and practiced. Yeah. We practiced against him, and he threw, I think it was the first or second, one of the days he threw a number of interceptions that day. And I remember walking over to you, and we had we had talked to Ob at some point, and he had said to us, "Look, we want to we want to start Deshaun in one of these preseason games, but he couldn't find the right he couldn't find the right opening to do it because when he was going to Deshaun had just miserable time against New Orleans. I don't the preseason game you know, the night of Katrina the night of uh, Harvey. I I don't I mean. That I was a weird game. Any, I don't remember anything from that game. That was a
0: weird game. There's you knew so, it was going on back home or doing a game. There's so uh, many different
1: – you know, like, uh, Zach Kiefer's got that uh, narrative podcast with, about Andrew well, Luck, luck yeah. which, by the way, is very, very good. We could probably do one on that night because there oh, were yeah. so many freaky, wild things that happened. That week? What was going on here. The week we had been gone up at the Greenbrier, I, it was just – it was a mess. I remember going back on the field in the second half, talking to our – at the time – Head trainer Jeff Kaplan and I just saw this look on his face. Said, Cap, is everybody okay? And he said, I think so. They just had to take my family out by boat, and I was like, Oh my god! And it was like, and you that's when it hit. That's when it hit. And then in the third quarter, my wife texted me a picture from our closet because there had been tornado warnings. It was, anyways. Point being, there was there, the clarity to me that year was it was savage. I know the national people didn't see that, but we saw every practice. We saw the guy that should have started the year. We all knew Deshaun was eventually going to be the guy, and we knew that Deshaun was probably going to show up when the lights shine the brightest. But that was Tom Savage out of right. that camp, whether people wanted to believe it or not.
0: I think it changes camp when you don't know who your starter is. I, absolutely. Who's the guy going to be? So you know who's going to be that's yes. good. All right. Continuing with characteristics of a good camp going into a productive season and some of the more productive seasons in the history of this franchise, it's obvious to say, I'm going to put it out there anyway, health. And I think that the technology is better than ever. I'll point this out, which I have before. Lovey Smith and Gary Kubiak have scheduled the earliest training camp practices for this franchise. And they happen to be the two coaches in franchise history who hail from Texas. Interesting. They played high school ball here. They know what it's like. Practice early, then get out of the heat, the extreme heat, and go on with the rest of your day. So he's going to do that. I mentioned the technology, the tracking stuff. Now, even for the rookies, not all players necessarily have to go through a full camp to be productive. Brian Cushing missed his first camp with an injury. Right. I mean, he just wasn't available. Right. And then all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, actually. You know, the first few games, fine. But it wasn't until I think it was Cincinnati up there. Boy, Cincinnati comes up so often in I Texas know. history that Cushing had a really good game and started to take off. And he was Defensive Rookie of the Year, missing training camp. It's yeah. possible, but you I want help. He was good against the Jets, the opener. Was I, he?
1: Yeah, I remember. Makes plays. I mean, it's, the thing about that Jets game in 09, of course, Mark Sanchez playing as a rookie. It, the Jets. It was such a downer. You're coming off 2008 where it, it, you closed the year pretty well. You get to 2009. There's excitement. It's the Jets. Like oh, I'll go to the Jets. I got Rex Ryan, Mark Sanchez. Like whatever. I don't think people really paid attention to how good Cushing actually was that day because they were mired in their own muck of, we just got beat by the Jets and got our you-know-what beat. Cushing was good from that point. I remember thinking, okay, they got the right guy. They got the right guy. He missed all training camp. But look at this guy. Suds and I were talking about Cushing. It, man, it, if there's a what-if that I could go back and change, and there's a, lot, there's a lot of them that you would consider that one, mm-hmm. fully healthy Cushing. Yeah. All throughout his uh, career. I, I think it'd it be changed, amazing. It changes a lot of things. But you're right. He got hurt, but didn't he get hurt during training camp?
0: I think so. I think he, was, but he, missed he missed all the preseason games. I think he missed all the preseason games. So it was, a, it was an unhealthy know. camp for him, right, but a good right. season, obviously. Anyway, uh, next one added talent. All right. So 2011, they add a lot. They had yeah. Watt and Reed through the draft, and they have good rookie seasons. You right. have Jonathan Joseph, Daniel Manning. We right. go on and on. Uh, when you look at 2012, all right, they didn't add much, but they added Whitney, okay, rotational yep. player at the time as a rookie, and they're able to get Matt Schaub back. That's a big plus, but that was a veteran team. Yep. 16, I know people are going to say it, but adding Brock at least said, this is our quarterback. Right. Right. Yeah. And even though he didn't look that great in camp, and Savage actually looked better, but at least you thought, all right. Brock will get there. He went five and two as a starter in Denver. It's got to happen at some point, right? But you added Lamar Miller and who else am I missing? Jeff Allen. Ooh, Jeff Allen along the offensive line line. because they were the eighth best rushing team that year. I know it's hard to believe, but they were. So they added some talent. 18, you had Honey Badger. You have some other acquisitions as well and you're able to... Justin you know,
1: Reed is drafted. It's the second-best
0: yeah. record ever. You're 11-5. Reed was a big contributor, had that yep. coast-to-coast pick six in Washington. You have a bunch of uh, contributions. Added talent. This year, what have you done? You've added the rookie class, which could be really interesting, yep. and you have these sneaky hot acquisitions like Steven Nelson, like Rasheem Green, these guys could turn out to be something as well.
1: You added five of them in the secondary, uh, HoustonTexas.com. You can see my position breakdown. It's my final one nice. of the year uh, on the secondary. And the secondary, and it, it, it. we should have seen it coming, but yet when Lovey Smith said it, I've said this a million times, do you believe anything a coach says <laughs> in April? It's lying season. They lie all the time, especially as it pertains to the draft. What it's just the way they do it, but Lovey had been so honest about everything and had been so upfront, he had been so positive about anything. And then when he was asked about the secondary, he's like, It wasn't good enough at all. The secondary essentially didn't allow us as a defense to get where we needed to go. Hmm, does that mean they're gonna take a pick of three? What are they gonna see? So you knew they were gonna address a secondary you thought, but didn't know it was gonna happen as early as three. So you had two top 37 draft picks, you signed five. Free agents in the secondary, and then you also signed two undrafted rookie free agents, so you have significantly four and five makes nine. I don't know how many they're going to keep in the secondary, and I don't know how many of those guys are going to end up sticking, but you're going to have a revamped secondary, no doubt, no doubt. Put that one together with health because, if anything, the last couple of years they've struggled with that secondary being healthy, especially starting early in camp. So hopefully they can get that health and keep that health all the way through camp. So they're not, they're not doing something. Well, you know what? We're going to move this guy over here. Like Eric Murray, in 2020 when they signed Eric Murray, the thought was, well, we'll play him at, we'll play him at the nickel. Maybe he will play safety, but then somebody got hurt in 2020. Conley couldn't make it back. He wasn't ready to go, so they had to move – they had to reconfigure things, and all of a sudden Murray's playing like two different positions. And then everybody's banging on him for not living up to the contract. He's playing two different positions in a brand-new defense. Last year when they just took Eric Murray and said, you're a safety, he played much, much, much better. So because of what happened in 2020, it makes me think about 2022, these guys staying healthy and keeping them healthy as you go into week one so that you have that versatility. And I always go back to this when it pertains to health, Mark. 2017. The Jacksonville Jaguars weren't the best team in the league. Obviously, they lost the AFC Championship game. The defense was incredible. The, the offense was just average. But they never lost anybody. Everybody except for Fournette who missed like two or three games. That's due gigantic. To, everybody played the entire season. Everybody. They all played 16 games. All of them. It was amazing. I think Telvin Smith ended up missing a few games with a concussion and Leonard Fournette was dealing with an ankle. He missed like two or three games. That's it. Everybody else was in every single week. That's. I'm not saying that's that's the ultimate answer, but if you can get to that point where your guys week in, week out are there and you, you got a shot to do something. Absolutely.
0: And it's very important that they stay healthy in camp. I yes. mean, this is obvious to say again. But uh, the added talent, stay healthy, get yourself a successful campaign. All right. Other elements that contributed to successful camps that led to the best seasons in Texans history that we're hoping kind of apply to this year. And we're seeing if they do or could. Now, this one is interesting. Established coaching staff. Right. Because. In 2011, now, I'm going to argue against the point, they added Wade Phillips, which which is a huge acquisition. They changed the defense. The rest is history. They're number two in the league in defense. They have their best season ever at the time. So that was great. 12 established staff. Right. 16 established staff.
1: There for three years. 18,
0: 19 established staff. Some changes, but established staff. Look, I think it's very important. Now, what is this staff? Is this staff established? It's unique in that you have a new head coach, but it's not like he's never coached before. And he was in the building coaching a side of the ball last year. So that to me sounds like an established coach. It's almost better. He's got a little, he's got extra juice now being the head guy. And he was the defensive coordinator last year, knows the building, knows the situation here, logistically, infrastructure, all of it. Everything we talked about when they hired Lovey. I like that. And I like Pep too. He was here. He's back coordinating his first time coordinating in the league in a while, but the last. Effort, 2014, full season, number three offense in the league, AFC Championship game appearance. Pep Hamilton now coordinating here with all the experience he's had along the way. This is going to be fun.
1: Yeah, I think so. When you mentioned, you know, having a – the first thing I thought of was these guys have been around a little bit, but I think the fact that they come back from last year, that they've been here, they they know – they know where the bathroom is. I mean, they they know these things. They know they don't have to. It's not a lot in some sense. Once you kind of get your feet underneath you, but it does take an effort to understand different personalities, understand different egos. Well, you've been in the room, as Lovey Smith. You've been in the room. You've seen the warts on this defense. You know where you know where they are. So you try to attack them with Nick Casario in the draft and with free agency. But you know when you walk in. You know Malik Collins' personality. You know how to get the most out of him. You saw Roy last year as a rookie. You know he's going to grow, but you know him. You're not sitting there going, oh, it was this 91 guy? Just All you've done is seen him on film coming in new. And it is something in the NFL that, you know, look, coaches move around. It's no secret. Yep. But if you can establish that continuity, that's worth something to a growing organization and a growing team and let's be brutally honest that's where this team that's where this team is but because they have those things it kind of advances them a little bit further Um, and so like like you said some of those other things hit having an established quarterback going into camp hopefully no drama in camp I mean just think of the drama I don't even I don't even think about it but don't think about it. it it's just hard but when you have that lurking it just takes something away you can ignore it for so long But it's still there. Well, you're asked about it. Right. Every single day. It plays
0: plays into the last item on this list. Okay. Relative harmony. Nothing could ever be completely harmonious in the NFL. It's the NFL. Adversity strikes at every corner. You have injuries. You have other issues, whatever. Correct. But now you have relative harmony for the first time in a long time. Think about this. 2019 even, look, you were coming off that 2018 playoff debacle. Uh, We were eager to see what they could do. Look at how they handled things Labor Day weekend, right? And the preseason wasn't exactly a ball of joy in twenty nineteen. What about that last, that fourth game at Dallas? Was that the third of the fourth game when Lamar got hurt? Oh, third. That was the third game. That was the third game. Oh. Ouch. That one hurt a lot. That was a massive blowout. And it was kind of poo-pooed at the time. And, look, I know they ended up having a good season, but they had to do a lot to get what they got on Labor Day weekend. Yeah. Lost to the Saints. You know, they ended up having a good campaign. I like the harmony in this camp so far heading in. Yes. This staff, everything you mentioned, having the Watson thing behind you, today's news helps too. Right. You know, you might answer a question about it, but it's only going to be no comment. Move on, right? right? And you're talking football. That is a beautiful thing for this organization right now.
1: Do you remember? You talk about weird nights. 2017 at New Orleans, night of Hurricane Harvey is is weird for a lot, a lot of reasons. That Dallas game, Week Three, might have been the worst game I've ever seen the Texans play ever, ever. Full sixty minutes, and I know it's preseason. I get Worse that. Worse than Arizona preseason was, opener, 2014. Ooh, that was pretty bad. It was bad. <laughs> But do you remember what happened late in the third quarter? Andrew Luck
0: retiring. And it's funny because you mentioned the podcast, and here you go. Andrew Luck retiring. Absolutely humongous news that we got that night during that blowout loss in Big D. All right, so those are some camp characteristics. We don't know where it's going. I can tell you this. They're getting better. They're on the way up. They're definitely progressing. Got to see where it takes you. Got to stay healthy in camp. Have to see Mills improve. And along with that, obviously, Running game improvement, I think that actually comes first because everything's going to get better with that. And we'll see what dividends, the work they've done in the off-season acquisition department pays once they get into camp coming up in two weeks at the Houston Methodist Training Center. Coming up next, let's visit with our buddy Drew Doherty, who... Did the Mexico thing, I think they still have a contingent down there, but Drew came back, and he's going to share with us some of the reaction of the fans, players that were down there, Ross Blacklock, Garrett Wallow, how the fans responded to them, and also more peeks into training camp coming up in a couple of weeks here on Texans Radio. Great to have you listening. Friday night, fun football festivities. Mark Vandermeer John Harris with you. Joined now by our buddy Drew Doherty who is back from Mexico. He's back. I think there's still a contingent down there, Drew. Big trip to Mexico, as that is a marketing area for the Houston Texans, a few other NFL teams as well. But we know we have a lot of fans south of the border. We're going to talk some other things as well. But first of all, how was the trip? How did you like it? What did you see,
2: Drew? It's awesome. I've been lucky enough to go three times now with the team. One of them was with uh, the, the the club when the Texans played the Raiders on Monday Night Football back in '16. That was a, a November trip. But before that, in June, I'd gone with Whitney Merciless and uh, I think a couple of cheerleaders and Toro and a contingent. And we saw a lot of fun stuff. And you just it's it's eye-opening. And I say it. Garrett Wallow, who was on the trip, he said it. Ross Blacklock, also on the trip, has said it. It's just eye-opening how much you see and realize that there are people way outside of Houston who really have no business being fans of ours, but are and are seriously invested in the Texans and love every bit of content, every bit of a visit that they can get with them. I mean, we we like made some days, made some some weeks for a lot of folks down there. And it was awesome. It was really cool to see the love that just kind of poured out uh, for all these players and the cheerleaders and Toro and everybody else.
1: Drew, the premise of going down there was was what what was the premise because i know a lot of people were like well wait we a 2nd you're not playing in mexico city this year you're not playing down there why go down there what was the premise in going to mexico
2: i think it's why not and i think it's why don't you go more often because there's a lot of fans down there you've seen the team do this in trips to beaumont and trips to the valley here in south texas san antonio austin over the years they want to go out and reach fans that aren't in the city you know they do a lot of events in the city and hey, you could always technically do more, but there's only so many hours in a day. But they want to they make sure that they recognize and appreciate the people who aren't in the 713 or the 832 or the 281 or the whatever the fourth or fifth zip code we have now. is They just like getting out there. And the Texans are going to play in Mexico again very, very soon. It's not this year, like you mentioned, but pretty darn good chance it's the year after or the year after that. They're going to be back, and they're going to be back multiple times over the next decade or two, I think. So why not try to build something up? You went to two of the bigger cities. One is the largest in Mexico City. Monterey is, is a growing, growing spot, and it's a very historical spot. It's a beautiful area. I mean, you're surrounded by mountains in this valley. It's really, really impressive. But I think it's the question – or to answer your questions, why don't you go there more? Because, hey, if you can meet your fans and, and some of your most passionate fans one-to-one – it's a win for everybody, I think.
0: Yeah, no question about that. I mean, I'd love to go to Monterey. I have not done that. Do it, and man. I love the old architecture. When I came here, I always talk about how I read James Mishner's Texas, that's yeah. a block sized book. <laughs> yeah, And after that, you finished spot, it? I did. I finished it. Drew. That's it took impressive. Me three and a half years. But I finished it, and he wrote one called Mexico. And the book Texas has so much that reaches through and into Mexico. And even back to Spain, actually, it it inspired me to read the book Mexico, which is awesome and has so much history in there, along with a fictional story. It's great. Anyway, Drew, a lot of people might not realize they do see the videos with you and Enrique. And we play a lot of your video audio on the air, but we don't play the stuff with Enrique because it's in Espanol. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't realize you used to do sports in Spanish when you're doing TV work in Lubbock. So two things: How's your Spanish, and what was that like doing the sports in Spanish on TV?
2: (laughs) Well, goodness gracious! The first part of that question, it is rusty as you know what, and I (laughs) am embarrassed. But I need to get back on the horse because I was able to use it when I was there this week. But gosh, I was stumbling over some stuff and having to say cómo se dice to some people. So, I mean, I was able to get by, and I I did an intro. There was a, a press availability at this clinic on Wednesday, when we got there, there was a clinic, there's 200 plus kids in we are Texans battle red t-shirts. There's about 50 to 75 girls doing uh, cheerleader drills uh, while the the boys were going through American football drills. And before that, there was a a group of probably about, I don't know, a dozen media members print digital that were there. And I kind of had to preface things by saying, Hey guys, thanks for being here. We're excited to be here. We love being here. Ross and Garrett don't speak Spanish. So please just ask those questions in English one at a time and and we'll get through it. So I did that in English. I did that in Spanish and, you know, they were great, but I, my, my Spanish is not as good as it once was, you know, I was lucky. I had great Spanish teachers growing up in high school, Mrs. Bick shout out. And then (laughs) I got to, I got to major. I was so well-prepared by her that I tested out of, a year and a half of it at SMU. And so I was able to pick up a Spanish degree in college and then didn't use it after I graduated for about five years. And I was, when I was in Lubbock from 05 to 09, I was the sports anchor at the Fox affiliate. And in the same building was the Telemundo affiliate. And they would broadcast once a day at five o'clock, do the news. And I I had struck up a nice little friendship with everybody that was associated with Telemundo. And about six months in, the guy who did the news, weather, and sports. So he did all three of them. There were, it wasn't like a news team, like an um, anchorman. There was no champ kind. It was just one guy all by himself, Ron Burgundy, doing everything. He, he said, hey, would you be willing to do the Spanish sports cast? And I was like, oh, I'd be willing, but I mean, have you heard my Spanish? He said, no, 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 no. You would just write it out. We would fix the grammar. It would be in a teleprompter, and then you could do it. And I did, and it was fun, and it worked out great. And you're, you, learn, you pick up a lot having to use colloquialisms, having to use uh, sports terms, you know, quadrangular for home run or honron for home run. You know, it's a a lot of fun. I had a great time with it. And sadly, a lot of that has slipped away with misuse. I just haven't used it as much. But with Enrique on a weekly basis, I get to to talk with him and do puntos extra. But it's me just basically putting the ball on a tee and letting him swing away. You know,
1: there are a lot of things I want to get to. I'm going to save some of them for in the lab. All right. (laughs) As it, pertains, hey. as it pertains to that, but Garrett Wallow and Ross Blacklock ended up going on a trip. Yeah. Drew, it's their first time in Mexico as members of the Texans. What, were, what did you sense their overall feeling was in making that trip down to Mexico as representatives of the team?
2: I think they probably and understandably went in thinking we're going down here, but how many people are really going to know much about us and much right. about the game of American football? Well, that got turned on its ear first day. I mean, they got there, uh, they go to this clinic, and there's all these kids that are, that are going through these drills, but really the drills were being run by a lot of the players from the college team right there. It's, I don't know how to clearly describe everything, but Tigres, which is the, the main soccer team there in Monterrey, there's like this whole complex. There's a baseball team close by. There's an American football team for the college right on the premises. And those college players were running the drills, basically. They were, they were going through everything. And they were there along with a, just a whole swath of coaches. And they were, they were very, very excited to have the Texans there with them. So I think the guys saw that and that – I say it again. That was eye-opening. And, you know, there was a guy who I was standing back watching the signings and the photographs happen after the clinic was over, just kind of waiting. And they had Slim Thugs, Houston – Plan on a loop i mean it's, it finished and then they had the fox intro start back up and then it started back houston <laughs> texas so uh, they, had, they had that plan on a loop but there's a guy that came up to me probably in his 50s and he kind of pointed at me he's like people don't understand american football has been played in the in, uh, the country of mexico for over 100 years we love football and it's wow i didn't know that i mean i knew there was always people playing it but i didn't know to this degree i mean these guys that were playing it We're saying, yeah, we used to play soccer, but we switched over to this in high school. So there's a there's a pretty sizable chunk of the population that's actually playing American football. Now, it's not more than, you know, it's it's played soccer, but, you know, it's a big, big country. And a lot of them, there's a portion of it that are playing our game.
0: All right, Drew, a couple of questions on the way out regarding training camp. Two weeks from tonight, we will be reviewing our first training camp practice that we saw together. So we're super fired up about that. Last night, Johnny and I had to predict, and it's a crazy prediction. Uh-huh. Once they get into 11-on-11 11 11 contact drills, who's mm-hmm. going to catch the first touchdown pass in that situation? And you can't pick one of the guys we have already. Johnny took Brevin, right? Did I you took take Brevin, Brevin Jordan. To Jordan.
1: I took Brevin Jordan.
0: Okay, I took Farrell Brown. All right. Okay. Who are you going to take?
2: Well, I'll be Clinton Contrarian, and I'll go with either Marlon Mack or Damian Pierce. I think okay, they'll swing uh, one out of the backfield and hit one of those guys because, you know, everybody knows Brandon Cooks. He's going to get his in the season. He's going to get targeted. So I think there will be a focus on him and somebody else. One, maybe one of your guys, or maybe one of my guys is going to get get uh, a little opportunity there.
0: You know, Cooks and Nico Collins are listening to this. Like, hey, 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 we're going to catch the first. That's NFL
2: why I NFL. said they're going to get theirs. Yeah, yeah, they But are. Okay, you know, so first what, time, first one
1: is the drill because if they go down there and they do goal line. Yeah, that then, counts. Then I'm. Uh, th- it is. I'm taking Janovich or I'm taking A Little fullback leaking out on fake power. It's, it's got to be a pass. I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. A that's power. a
2: possibility too. It's
1: the, per- it's the perfect but one. But Johnny,
0: they're not doing goal line before they get to. Whoa, whoa, they might whoa, do red whoa, zone. whoa, whoa, whoa! Who's your head coach? Oh yeah, you're right. You never know. He might want defensive go with that. head coaches not always
1: want to start now without with goal line. Without Can pads. I say this in pads?
2: Speaking of the head coach, uh-huh. so. The, the players, they did two press conference, two formal press conferences, one in Mexico City, one in Monterey. They did two other press gatherings sort of at the events, you know, in Monterey, as well as, you know, a handful in Mexico City. So they, they met with the Mexican press quite a bit. Every single time they were asked two main things. What do you think of the new Battle Red Helmets? And what sort of scheme is Lovey Smith going to run? And it was funny to see They gave great answers, but it's like, hey, we know what he's what he's wanting to do. We're excited about it. But the Mexican media was very intent on finding out the the thoughts on the helmets and the thoughts on the new head coach. It was pretty cool to see.
0: I like that a lot. Uh, Give me a player or two that you're most excited about seeing in training camp.
2: Pierce is one of them. I'm definitely excited to see him just just after he was picked when he met with the media. He's he's a real kind of seems like a bright shining star off the Mm -hmm. field. And then you watch what he did on the field at me at, at Florida, you know, he's pounding the rock. He's a great blocker. He's good catching the ball out of, out of the backfield too. So I can't wait to see him. He's, he's somebody that's got me excited. And then I'm probably going with the chalk here, but Jalen Petrie, goodness gracious. I mean, everything we saw. And then even more importantly, the stuff we heard about on the days that we weren't out there in May and in June, he made some plays, and I'm hoping to see that continue in August, September, October, November, December, and January. All right, Drew, I wrote my Daily Brew today, kind of along the same lines. I'm going to mm-hmm. read
1: you a player at each position okay. that could surprise. All right. You've seen some undrafted free agents, some guys come in that were just off the street signings, and you're like, whoa, wow, this guy popped out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know, the A.J. Boyer. Yeah. Um, you know, Aaron Foster, you know, was kind of that guy. Dylan Cole was definitely that guy in 2017. Now, Dylan was a rookie. but AJ. Had been here, but he still really hadn't established himself. So he kind of right. a big surprise in 2016. So you picked the guy at the position. Quarterback, I picked Kyle Alex. I had to pick one. Running back, Darius Jedi Anderson, wide receiver, Davion Davis, tight end rookie Seth Green. O-line, Jordan Steckler, D-line, Kurt Heinish, linebacker Blake Cashman, and then defensive backfield Kendall Sheffield. You got to pick one of those guys that's going to be the surprise of training camp. Which guy would you pick? Or is there a guy that I missed from one of the position groups?
2: See, when you said surprises, I, I kind of instantly went back to a, a guy who's a real veteran and Dorsett, but he's kind of forgotten about at receiver, yep. Philip Dorsett. But he's probably a little too prominent, I'm guessing, yeah. for you, right? That, that's what
1: I thought because I wrote about Philip Dorsett because I think OTAs in mini camps put Dorsett squarely in a number four spot at worst. I think yeah. he's in the three spot when Mechie's not ready. I think he's in the four spot at worst. When I,
2: I think he could climb all the way to two, perhaps. I mean, I think there's a chance oh, yeah. of that even. Yeah. yeah. Based on what we saw the the in the limited action last year and then what, what we saw in the May, and, May and June, yeah, I, I could see that. I, I got to go with Dorsett, though, out of that, now that I think about it. Okay. Dorsett. stole Thorsett.
0: a lot of good ones there, Johnny. I'm, I'm saying which one
1: of those would you pick and say that guy would be the same. I'll tell
0: you what, Cashman is his good a pick as a lot of them yeah uh because based on what i saw in otas just the way he was lining up and where and, and he could move it just felt like the coaches kind of like him
1: yeah he can run he can yeah. run it is just a matter of staying healthy that's
0: a no one's talking about guy guy for sure with the training camp <laughs> drew sure. look forward to uh getting together next week as we get hey, the final week of no training camp before we get into the first week of camp which begins two weeks from today at the Houston Methodist Training Center. Thanks a lot, buddy. Good to see you. Coming up, we'll go around the league. It is franchise deal deadline day for the tagged players, among other things happening in the NFL. We'll talk about it here on Texans All Access. Final segment on a fun football festive Friday. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Two weeks from training camp. I keep saying it because it's so there. You can reach out and touch training camp. And it's going to be hot and beautiful out there at the Houston Methodist Training Center. I heard the guys on the morning program on Sports Radio 610, Peyton Pendergast, you might be familiar with their work. Yes. They were talking about the Greenbrier, and I have to credit them because they were talking about how great it was for the fans to be there. And you and I are incapable of getting into a conversation with that topic coming up without just talking about the pizza place and all the great fun things we did there. And, yeah, it was terrific to watch practice from the high-angle view in the end zone seats and even our broadcast position. And I'm doing it already. Why did you go there? And the weather and us being called out by Texans (laughs) business personnel. Like, you guys are talking about the weather way too much. You
1: can't talk about the 78 degrees in the morning or 75 or whatever.
0: torture to the Houston listeners that you guys are there, like, bathing in cool weather. It, it was, was nice.
1: just such a different vibe at the end of practice because we always get interviews, and you'd get an interview, and I remember one of my first ones, I think, was with DJ Reader, and I just looked at him. He looked at me. He goes, dude, this isn't about survival. This yeah. is about actually getting stuff done. Oh, yeah, talking, practice. talking to the
0: players after practice at the green oh. I was like, hey, what's up? How you doing? Yeah, yeah. it, it was, was just normal. Here, it's just, okay, all right. I have to cool down. Hold on. I, I need have to cool down. I need, I need an IV. I need nah, – no, I'm just kidding around. They, these guys are warriors, and they can they're survive, cool. but it's no joke, man. I don't know how they do it. They just do it somehow. I don't know how the high school kids do it, but it happens. Oh, you need to help me solve this little issue I'm having, which is – I know this sounds pretty
1: – That sounded pretty awesome foreboding. you proposed well,
0: it. Well, <laughs> it's, it's not that big an issue, but yeah. – you know at the Greenbrier I had my bicycle, right? I borrowed a bike yeah, yeah, from yeah. the statistician on the Mountaineer radio broadcast team. He works with Tony Caridi. Right. Mountaineers listening. I'm sure there are many are familiar with Tony, former Syracuse student. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's been the voice of the Mountaineers forever. Right. I think he's got a great gig. He's He's had a great life there. You know, you right. carve out your niche. It's kind of like what I wanted Bill Roth to do at Virginia Tech, the voice of the Hokies. He took the UCLA job, but then he kind of – I don't know, it didn't work out or whatever. Then he came back to be a professor at Virginia Tech. Now he's back in the booth, which is awesome for yeah. him. I mean, these guys are legends. they got to be there. You know, I love right. that stuff. Anyway, I bought a bicycle from one of the crew members yeah. uh, who happened to live in the area, and it was awesome, right? Yeah. And here at, at Texan's practice, camp last year, OTAs, you notice, and I know you have, that Pep Hamilton he bikes does. over there from here. Mm-hmm. It's not that far, but it's kind of fun to zoom over there on a bike. Yeah. And... Who else has Danny Barrett has a bicycle? Yeah. as well the running backs coach.
1: Yeah, Coach Barrett had been on a on a uh, golf cart because he was dealing with
0: a knee problem.
1: Yeah, a knee issue. I bet so. he's back
0: at the bike though by camp. I bet he is. So, so what are you thinking? Should I bring my bike? Should I do it? <laughs> is that too much? Can I be so presumptuous that I have bicycle status as well? It's not a status thing per se, but I yeah. think it does send a little bit of a message, like, hey, I'm on a bike just like the coaches. I could park it in here in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. No one, you know, it's not going to be out there in their bike exclusive coach parking area.
1: Part of the issue Hmm? when you'll be walking out there is when a lot of the personnel and a lot of the players and all that will be going out there. So in years past, you could have gotten away with it because you would have been going out before everybody else. Yeah and then they wouldn't have seen it as much. It wouldn't have been as prevalent. But now you're going to be zooming right through them.
0: Well, we go on at 8 for right. our shows. Right. They're practicing at 8, which means they'll be out there at 7.15. And you know me, for an 8 o'clock show, I show up yeah, at 7.58.30. Yeah, you don't have to uh, We're good. And I'm like, all right, you got this, this, this. Let's go. Boom. <laughs> That's because I'm prepping feverishly in here before I go I out there. I say you do
1: it. Why not?
0: Maybe. I'll think about it.
1: It's a five-year anniversary of doing it, so do it.
0: Oh, it's like an anniversary. Oh, I see. Yeah, I like the way you think. It's
1: a five-year anniversary. I'm I'm celebrating five years of being away from the Greenbrier by bringing the bike back.
0: Johnny, following players did not get a deal done. Their franchise tagged. Jesse Bates, safety for the Bengals, says he's not going to camp. Who do the Texans face on this list? Cowboys tight end Dalton Schultz. He hasn't said he's not going to camp, I would presume. He has not
1: said that, but he didn't get a deal.
0: You're going to get a good chunk of money, though, being tagged. And I know you'd rather have a long-term deal. I get it, folks. Right. Mike Gusecki, Texans, will see him. Right. Right. And Texans will see Chiefs offensive tackle Orlando Brown. So, so three of these players.
1: Yeah, Orlando Brown, just reading the the tea leaves, basically, with the Chiefs and how they negotiated. He said, the agent said we got close. He said, but I'm not allowing my agent or my client to sign a deal And I don't think he used the words funny money, but essentially the Chiefs were trying to get to, hey, look, we just gave you a contract that made you the highest APY of all the tackles in the league. Yeah, but the last year was $40 million that Orlando Brown was never going to see. So they basically used the math to get that, and the the agent was like, seeing right through it. You want to guarantee
0: that 40? Then we're in, right? right? No
1: problem. That didn't happen. So Jesse Bates has already said, "Uh uh-uh. I'm not playing until this thing is taken care of. So, at that point,
0: all right, so trade, you, trade him. That, that's a lesser news story we're waiting to drop, but it's one to watch because the Bengals are AFC champions, yeah. defending AFC and champions. And he's
1: arguably their best defensive player.
0: So, that's interesting. Obviously, we're still watching the Garoppolo situation because it's a high-profile, relatively quarterback. You want to see where he's going to go. Mayfield's already been settled. So, all very interesting. And by Garoppolo, I didn't bring it up for here purposes believe me I didn't we've gone over that many times this week all right that's going to do it for the show tonight and this week all the shows are on the Houston Texans app which you should have in your phone and on HoustonTexans.com check out Johnny's article today it's really awesome position breakdowns right
1: yes position breakdowns on the secondary also my daily brew on one player from each position group that could be the surprise of camp
0: Okay, and are you going to do your 90-man roster? That's next week. All right, can't wait for that. That's going to be awesome. All right, thank you very much, Cynthia, for producing. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans.